I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. Boys, we are here to ranch. James, we have to do justice before just sliding right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a BT. What on earth? I don't have an option. Welcome, welcome to Prem de la Prem. Welcome back to Prem de la Prem. Today is Wednesday, September 25th, aka Redemption Week. Mm. Uh, for those of you who listened last week, I hope you. Uh, your ears are doing okay. You've gotten checked out by the doctor because that was a full-blown rant. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what you're talking about, James. I'm, I'm, I'm on to match week six. You've eternal sunshine of a spotless minded last week's episode. Yeah, yeah, we're on to, uh, we're on to match week six. Okay, I'm taking the Belichick approach with this one. <laughs> yeah, we're focusing on the Jets. Oh <laughs> uh, no, but uh, folks, we still haven't figured out how to read into our statistics and advanced analytics because we f- saw a boom in subscribers last week, and I'm scared to say that they're related to Pat's rant. Yeah, a what we determined to be a regression of form. Neither of us even listened to it back. Mm-hmm. Once was enough for us. I imagine for you all as yeah. well. Uh, but yeah, it played well. I'm hoping to draw a little bit out of out of you this yeah. week because. Well. Our worst week is your best listen. Yeah. So, you're welcome. You're going to well, almost guarantee it's going to happen again this coming week yeah. because we're playing each other. It's and my lock of the week. We're not going to both be happy. Lock of the week, <laughs> match week seven, right? <laughs> I, got a ni- I got a nice box for you. Ooh. God damn it, we're going to do it anyway. Uh, Man City's still an insanely good team. <laughs> you want to know why that's a nice box? Why? They are still the odds-on favorite to win the Premier League. Oh, I don't doubt that for a second. Minus 130. Liverpool plus 135. Smart money is take Liverpool now at better than even odds. Right. Um, this isn't the degenerate district. This is just an interesting talking point. Mm-hmm. Would you still say City are favored to win the league? I told you I like Liverpool on this one, and I still do. I think uh, it's, it's two teams that just push each other to the absolute limit, and it is a joy to watch, except right. for United fans. It's living hell. Yeah. But that's beside the point. Right. Uh, I think Liverpool has the team and the goods to do it. It's just, you know, it's it's round two. You know, who's going to come out on top in round two of two equally matched teams? And I think you'll get a really good indicator in the first City-Liverpool game. I do think it's Liverpool's this year, and I'm saying that as an emotional hedge. But, I mean, let's talk about the City game. God forbid you are the team that plays City a week after they lose. I don't think Pep slept. Yeah, or God forbid you have City the week after you beat Arsenal. You know, because it seemed like the perfect storm. Oh, yeah. This Watford was... with their redemption arc, getting a draw against Arsenal, and then they run into Pep. Mind you, um, this is the same Watford team, I believe, who I don't remember the final scoreline, but we're looking at, was it like 15 to fifteen to 1 in their last two games against City? FA Cup final, didn't they get blown out 6 or 7 to 1? Something like that? Oh, yeah. It was it was over before it started. Right. And this was, I think, 5 nothing, 17 minutes into the yeah. game. Well, my dig for uh, for Arsenal here, even though we're talking about City-Watford, is uh, sure. I think the Watford players were a little surprised they weren't just receiving the ball from City's goal kicks. <laughs> They're like, what's going on here? They're like, all right, well, we this this whole press and when they played out of the back, they yeah. worked so great last yeah, week. Yeah. Oh, no, De Bruyne is running at our... Oh, we didn't prep for this at all. At our team with numbers. <laughs> Quality balls into the box? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> and that's how you end up 5-0 down 50 minutes in. But uh, 
I mean, the game speaks for itself. I will say, if you listen to my fantasy advice, Otamendi, clean sheet at the back, goal in the front. Big, uh, big play. I give fantasy advice. I do not take it. I am languishing in a cool 22. I didn't go full You're Kobe. Yeah, trending upwards. Uh, who's a famous number 22? It was my Jordan week. I didn't go Kobe. Emmett Smith. It's my Emmett Smith <laughs> week. It doesn't roll off the tongue. We'll work on it. Right. Pulisic, if we want to stick it in the prem. Ooh, well... Which is uh, actually probably appropriate given his performances. It is an appropriate transition to uh, Chelsea-Liverpool because a, a very notable absentee, despite the Premier League's best advertising efforts, have Salah standing next to Pulisic like it's the two best players from each team lining <laughs> up. Mohamed Salah and American wonder kid Christian Pulisic, who s- warmed that bench up for young player of the, uh, young player of the year, Mason Mount. Oh, you're already giving it to, to Mount, Young Player of the Year. I don't think he's the best young player on the team. Yeah, how do you really feel about him? No, I'm just on I'm, I'm on record. Obviously, my take on Mount is not aging well, but I still think Tammy Abraham is the better player on the team. I want to see more of Tamori. They didn't really show I mean, up in many respects, I'm not going to front. I said it for a reaction. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But uh, that take has aged like a two-buck chuck. Yeah, well, you know. You win some, you lose some. Yeah, I think there's some interesting points to come out of this game. Um, by the way, I'm going to reference it a lot. I want to preface this. Mourinho was on fire this week. I don't know if you caught any of his comments. If you didn't, I've got them all locked Ca- and Oh, loaded. caught the United ones. Yeah. Well, caught yeah, the United I, ones. I figured you caught those ones. Yeah. But the, um, the one that he said about Chelsea, and I want to start with Lampard, because Lampard and his post-match presser, and we can get to get to Liverpool in a second. Sure. I think Chelsea's the more interesting story yeah. here. Um, Ooh, Okay. There are that no, we covered range. this in the summer round table. Liverpool and City are the least interesting teams to talk about. We'll talk to it. Get we'll, over it. We'll talk about a match week thirty-one. Fun to watch. I don't give a shit. I don't yeah. want to talk about it. No, no. I mean, look, look score you, amazing goals. You guys get to be happy, so you don't get to be hurt. Yeah. Listen to our race for the top four that we're not even in. Yeah. <laughs> we are not even in. Speak for yourself, okay. yeah. boy. Carry on. Carry um, on. No, but what? I mean, I think if, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm taking some positives from this game. I thought Chelsea. Played well in that They were applauded half. off like it was a, a positive game. Yeah. They were. Um, also, the two goals they conceded were from set pieces. So you can say that you know they played in the run of play. You know, I didn't watch the game because it was the same time as the Arsenal game, so I just kind of caught the highlights. Mm. I can't say whether those goals were against Pretty the classic. run of play or not. Um, but yeah. Chelsea couldn't seem to hang, handle the uh, flick off uh, set piece. Right. Never <laughs> seen something like that in my life. But I thought was was particularly interesting was after the game, Lampard again, and this has become a common thread with Lampard. Um, so I want to get your take on it. He said he thought that they were the better team. He said they des- deserved yeah. the points. Not point, the points. So presuming okay. that he would have liked okay. two more goals to go his way or yeah. one less to go the other way. And I guess you don't get in trouble for saying something like that. You sure don't. <laughs> uh, and we talked about the leash he has, so I'm not really, you know, there's. I don't think there's too much to read into quite yet. Um, but Mourinho's comments on that, and this is what I want to get your take on. He said, after Lampard mentioned how the, they were getting, you know, applauded off the field, yeah. right? The... The day that big clubs start celebrating good performances in a loss Mm -hmm. is the day they stop being big clubs. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get your thought on that because, um, well, I'm actually going to save my thought. I was just going to give my thought and then frame your thought in that. But I want to get your thought on that because you you probably watched the game, or at least more of it than I did. And your touch point on Lampard, I think we're going to bring back an an Ollie. So I want to get your thoughts here. I drifted in and out of the Liverpool-Chelsea game because I used all my stamina to watch United-West Ham at 6 a.m. So, that's about where I was at. We were hanging out Saturday night, too. That was an effort for you to get up at 6. I woke up for the trend goal. Oh, Daniel James! (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, no, on a serious note, I think it's because, um, and I'm sure I'll get reamed out by some Chelsea fans, I think it's because Chelsea were not expecting to be playing an exciting brand of football that they have been playing, or did they expect the youngsters to flourish so well? I do want to call out, on a points level, Chelsea and United are on the same amount of points, as are Tottenham. Mm -hmm. And we're all in in the mix of, of clear second, third team third tier teams Um, and I think they were pleasantly surprised that they were able to run as closely to Liverpool as they did and I don't think that's an indictment of uh, of Chelsea as a club as how much respect you're putting on Liverpool and City because I would I think I'm on the record as saying this I don't think Liverpool and City are just the best teams in England I think they're the best teams in Europe right now when you look at what Barca and uh, Real Madrid are doing who are traditionally the two you would group together as the best I think they are they are definitely putting that argument together. Yeah, if so, I were to round out a top three, I'd put Juventus in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Juventus. I didn't even. I know how to pronounce that one, and I still goofed it. I think Mourinho has a good point there, and I I, I definitely realized it. We'll yeah. get to we'll get to United West Ham. I I, I sure. self reflected a little bit on how yeah. I felt about that game, but at the same time, I think you have to acknowledge what the Premier League is at its current state, and it's right. not a top four. It's a top two, and everyone else. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think that with. Um, the, 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 that comment was especially poignant to me because I think that that's what I find myself rooting for in Arsenal because I know that they're not a top they're not going to compete for the title. What do you find yourself rooting for? Good performances. Okay. You know, and I think that that's that is an indictment of a team that's not truly a contender, right? That's a pretender, mm-hmm. right? And the, the gap is so severe, and I don't know if that speaks to Chelsea's ambitions or if that's just a matter of fact way of realizing things. We talked about it. The expectations should be pretty low for Chelsea this year. Yeah. Is that enough for them? Is that is, is a good performance against Liverpool at home, where they lose yeah. the game? Is that enough yeah. for them this season? I think I want to match week six even. I want to set Tottenham aside because they're a bit of an anomaly. But when you take your traditional rest of the top six teams, not counting Liverpool and City because they're obviously miles above everyone, right. I think Arsenal, Chelsea, and United are in a race to figure out who they are as a club and how they play. And I think Chelsea can look at how they're playing and how. United, definitely United, how they're playing and how they're progressing, and they're like, wow, we are way ahead of them, which I think is fair. Uh, and maybe maybe they would make the same case for Arsenal because of the same defensive lapses. So in that sense, I do think Chelsea's expectations are right. firm, and I think their feet are on the ground. And I don't, you know, I, I love to take digs at Chelsea as, as much as any other team, but I do think um, they're, they're not in the wrong for lowering expectations to what is realistic. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. What I what I would I will say, I want Mourinho commentating and punditry directed just injected into my veins. It's it's remarkable. It is so good. And I, and I th- and he, I think that what he what what I've come to re- like cuz there's all the antics, there's the playing of the media, his players doing nothing, like all that shit when he's a manager, you're starting to see his like pulse on the game shine through as a pundit. Mm-hmm. He has a very very good pulse on the game. He has sky-high expectations. You can see how he could be abrasive in a dressing room. I can't get enough of it. Mm-hmm. I really can't get he enough He might like that personal touch, but there's a reason he's one of the best ever do. And one, one, the, the one thing that I do, I do have maybe a little bit of cause um, for thought, at least, is they, they seem to play like a team. Like we see maybe a um, like how Watford kind of approached the Arsenal game. A team with nothing to lose because those expectations just do the gap in the club stature mm-hmm. were there. I, with the transfer ban, with the new manager, I agree with you. I think it's kind of a fair place to be, mm-hmm. but it's there. 
I, I want to see them perform a little bit better against those mid-table and lower-table sides as well, where they're the one that has the upper hand. We saw their performance against Leicester, uh, a couple more unconvincing performances. I'm forgetting the, the, the teams that they played against. Mm-hmm. But they've shown some good things, some bad things. Maybe that's just who Chelsea is this year. Yeah, I think they're riding a high from the Wolves game where it feels like they t- I'm turned a corner and started getting results from their style of play. Right. And then they saw themselves, you know, um, reaching for a point against um, against Liverpool. But I definitely think Lampard was uh, reaching high into the locker when he said, taking away the points. Right. Yeah, and I, and I wonder what that does for a team, that their mentality. If like, Do you, do they start to feel entitled? And does that, you know, I don't know. I think no. it's, it's, it's something to watch, I think. No, I think it was, I think it was a nice touch. Okay, yeah. I, I did not like it from Lampard. But really? That, yeah. I... Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, Honestly, why not? No one cares. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think it sends the wrong message to your players. Oh, really? I thought that would g them up. No, I mean, I think it's I think it's I don't think that you. I don't. I come from a school of thought where, if you don't get the results, and I know that there's always like a we deserve the result mm-hmm. is something that gets said mm-hmm. in, in this That's sport a classic go-to. more than any other sport. Sure. You know, there's no like oh I thought we deserved to win as much in basketball or football or anything like that. So maybe it's a little bit more fair, but I think you do kind of. That, that trickles into the mentality where you feel like, oh, that should have gone our way, and that can go into referee decisions. That can go to a shot hit in the post, or, you know, you're not marking and somebody gets a hit. Like, I mean, that's – it can unfold. Yeah, I think you see that in Arsenal. I think there's so. a lot of finger-pointing when Arsenal concede. Right. When they lose. There's not, there's not accountability. There's not ownership. And for me, saying we deserve the points in a game that you lost, that's, that's a lack of accountability. I chalk it up to self-affirmation that he thinks they're on the right track and doing the right thing. I just wonder how many times you can say that when you lose. Yeah, let's and see he said it like three times this week. season. Who they got next week? I don't know. Lost 2 0 to Burnley. Should add the three points. <laughs> you mean Burnley on the, on the score chart? Uh, are we We're doing not. Are we doing Liverpool and Miss Justice by not talking about them? Because I just do not care. We probably are. Um, I mean, I think what we can say about Liverpool can be summed up in uh, Klopp's post game presser, um, which is yeah. Oh, that was all time. It was great. Uh, also, we could be here ten years from now and still talking about the same thing without a title. Right. And I hate how much I love that man. Yeah. He said, yeah, we've won we've won 15 in a row. Sure. There's 32 games oh, up he's there. not tripping. Yeah. He's a, City on their heels? He said, he he's said, not fucking around. He said 15's a big number, but 32's a bigger one. And that's how many games we have left to play. Yeah. His head's in the right place. I'm with you. I think that I think Liverpool's they are, in a very, very good... They are drilled. Yeah. They're, they're ready to go. Here's be, the thing. We'll start talking about a match week 31-32 when if they're still looking over their shoulder with maybe a four-point gap, that's when it gets juicy. Right. But right now, they're they're solely focused. Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down those two fixtures, City and Liverpool. How do those points swing? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, potential six-point yeah. swing. We, who, who knows how it goes? It's likely going to be a lot yeah. smaller than that. And then just a few games here and there where people slip up. We've already saw, seen City, City mm-hmm. hit a little banana peel. Liverpool obviously hasn't in a while, but there's only one Invincibles for a reason. It's not easy to do. They look like the team that could do it, but it, they're they're going to have some rough rough patches, especially as they get deeper into right. the Champions League. Right. Well, uh, let's jump quickly over to uh, Leicester Spurs, which was an interesting game in a few ways. A lot um, of different ways, yeah. And I think the main talking point is uh, not one, but two goals ruled out. I found myself, I knew the final score, I was watching the highlights, and the celebration went on for so long, and the score was marked up for so long, I was like, wait, did I, did I remember this wrong? Did I think the score was wrong? 
But in actuality, uh, that disallowed Tottenham goal from Serge Aurier, which would have put them 2-0 ahead late-ish in the second half, um, was called back for an offside that needed the finest of margins reviewed by, by the booth. That one... That one was as tight as I've ever seen. And as do you granular. still stand by how VAR operates and reviews things after that offside call? In terms of like the timely, in, in terms of getting like the call right, yes. But in terms of its application, I don't. I think we were all like, I don't think I ever advocated or said that okay. VAR was going to be flawless and universally accepted. I thought that in the long run, it's going to be better for the game. There's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be an adaption. It happened relatively quickly, to my knowledge. No. No? No. Okay. No, no, no. Everyone was staring up the board. They were bringing out all the Matrix lines. It's like yeah. the blue line meets the green line, and the red line's on this plane, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, Sans boots out here. I, if, we're talk, if we're talking about application, what if VAR takes a look at it, and before you get to the four different multicolor lines merging to form different planes and angles, they just go, this one's really close. Let's go with the call on the field and stop. I, I don't hate that. I've heard a what I think is a, a better. Um, oh, you think it's better than than my idea? I do, but it wasn't my idea, so you don't have to be offended by it. I got it from Reddit. I'm just some guy said like this is how it, we're being very critical of goals and we're taking a lot of moments away. What if we change the offside rule mm-hmm. to not one part of your body being offside, but effectively if any part of your body is onside, you were then onside, mm-hmm. and so then like if you were making a run and your heel was even with, like, your whole body was in front of the defender, but your heel was even with his shin, you're onside. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then the sh- then the threshold becomes the defense has to drop off because they know that that's going to be ruled offside. I think right now they're just, they're, the defense is holding that line as tight as they can, knowing that they're going to get that finest, finest margin. And if they hold a tight line, they're going to be able to get that goal coming back. You could change that rule, get a little bit more of an aggressive play style. I think it's going to be a learning process. I think it's going to be, a little bit of time to take into it. We saw it in the Chelsea game as well. It was maybe five, six passes. I do think it was in the same move. Mm-hmm. I think it was the right call. Mm-hmm. He was clearly offside. Yeah. But Lampard talked about this as well. Yeah, that was you, clearly. You take away the moment. There were so many different things that yeah. happened after that. He's like, yeah. I, suppose, I suppose if what we're after is the correct call, then sure. I don't lump those two yeah. into the same category for the reference. Sure. But, but, but Lampard's point was, I think yours. Sure, you got the correct call. Maybe not so much in the top. But game, think but, about how you're... But like messing up the game what 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 are the consequences of being that granular in that to get the correct call the moment you know that it's it's something that i think we're more accustomed to in american sports where you know the the you know you throw the touchdown to the corner of the end zone there is a little bit of a subdued celebration because you're like this one's going to the booth we're gonna have to see i need to see the replay before i celebrate and before we get too far down a rabbit's hole the last point i want to make is i think it's a little ironic how much attention to detail they put on getting Black and white, if you want to call that black and white, right. getting off, like black and white offsides calls so on the money that they spend so much time on it. Whereas calls where they have to go against the referee, like the Socrates Socrates handball last right. week, like, or nope, not going to go against that. Yeah. And I think the rule they stood by was he was too close to the ball to the play to make a defensive arm move or something. Right, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah. You didn't notice his elbow protruding out. <laughs> got it. <laughs> yeah, um, I got some got some things to say on Socrates a bit, but um, Papa's ball, namely his FIFA rating, ridiculous. <laughs> we'll but, get that. <laughs> yeah, um, no, but I I agree with you. In 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 that moment is I think that that was the you, you called it. 
But I think that's one of the unintended consequences of VAR in that we we might see in the Premier League or other leagues, how do they reconcile that? Is it just something we deal with? I don't think VAR is going to go away. I don't think it's something they're going to peel back. So I think it's something we have to think about how do we refine. Sure. I. It's been a learning process this season on Prem Bill Prem. I think it brings more pros than cons, but I hate – I've been banging the drum of the con that I hate this entire yeah. time. They say they're not going to re, re- – was it the re-referee games? Well, the offside thing, whatever. Um, how about just applying any sort of judgment? Because we've seen people tackled in the penalty mm-hmm. box. We've seen absolute clatterings. That, and it's just, I think we were both mm-hmm. in agreement. Things that are very binary, black and white, sure. Yeah. As long as it's quick, let's get on with it. Yeah. How is it going to affect the other stuff? So far, it hasn't. It's the same frustration, except it's even compounded by the fact that we get another look at it and a chance to correct mm-hmm. it, and we don't. That is where I share your frustration fully because we are delaying that moment. That frustration just grows and grows and grows and grows. And you're even thinking like, okay, that was actual robbery because we had a chance to correct it. Exactly. So exactly. there's something's up. There, yeah. You know, it's not just they missed there's it. There's a difference. Yeah. Well, um, credit to Lester for the comeback after that. I mean, this just occurred to me, but consequences of VAR calling back a goal. The mentality of like, we just thought we went up 2-0, trotted back to the halfway line. Yeah. Now we're defending a 1-0 lead. Lester gets reinvigorated by that, goes on and wins two one. But yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want to take credit away from how they played yeah. because it was it was worthy of top six, if not top four, which I know are their it's, pretty it's, lofty aspirations. It's almost that like that um, that five minutes after you concede, right? It's like that little bit of lull, and like you know when a team starts surging first, mm-hmm. second goal after they score, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, they, we got to stand, we got to stay yeah. strong this five or ten minutes. And w- right after in the uh, in the Chelsea game, Liverpool yeah. scored. I mean, it was off a of set and, piece and all that, but sure, it's like there, there was an energy that was out of the Chelsea side. And yeah. It was into the Liverpool side. It does affect the game exactly. more than just the it black does. and white call. It does. So I hope that it's continually looked at. Um, and then my last little dig is uh, Spurs' second best player of the season, VAR, didn't show up today. So <laughs> <laughs> no wonder they're going to lose. I did. I did want to touch on two things from this game. Okay. One, I think it's time we put some respect on Leicester's name. Oh, I yeah. really do. I think that they have, they have shown up against. The big clubs. Yeah, you really look yourself in the mirror after a loss to United. What are we doing wrong? Yeah, I mean, but they 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 um, they drew Chelsea in a game that I thought that they were, if not dead even, yep. maybe the better side. Yep. The win against Tottenham, you can't necessarily overlook that either. And of the teams that might be cracking into the top six, they've done it before. They've done it before. They've done it in epic fashion. I don't think they're title contenders. I want that to be very clear on the record. <laughs> but they are an absolute threat to be in the Champions League next Headline week. on the Prem Dill Prem Insta tomorrow. Pat, Leicester are going to win the title. Right. And That's a direct quote. Yeah. <laughs> put, print it. Yeah. I don't care how you put it on your ankle. <laughs> Paraphrased. And my point on Spurs, I was expecting you to kind of, kind of get into them a little bit because they have stumbled out of the gates. I think at this point... They, they might have maybe 19 or 20 points in their last 16, 17 mm-hmm. Premier League games. Their league form is horrendous. I think it's time we kind of relax on them. We know they're not title contenders. They tricked us a little bit last year. Mark even said on a podcast here he thought that they overperformed. For me, the only storyline is Poch this year. Yep. Does he get unsettled? Does he at all I... get unsettled and look for the door? I think that they are struggling from the same thing that United, Arsenal, and Chelsea are, which is you touched on it. Who are we? Who are we? How do we take that mm. next step? But the gap that uh, City and Liverpool put between mm. all of those other teams puts every mistake that we already know who that team is yeah. under the microscope. I don't, I don't think um, 
Tottenham is as under the microscope as the Arsenals and Uniteds of the world because I think, I think Poch has more of an earned currency. No one doubts that he's the right man for the job, right? It's more Facts. so like, is he going to get upset and leave? Right. And I think I'd be curious if you know Mark or any Spurs fan were to reach out to us and counter this point. I would make a comparison with Poch at Spurs this season to Mourinho at United last season, where he was not backed in this in the transfer window to do every bit of business that he wanted, and now he's sulking a little bit. And to your really good point, I also think when you look at the world beaters of Liverpool and City, you're like, oh shit. What are we supposed to do? Right. And Poch is like, how long am I going to keep doing this? It's easy to embrace a defeatist attitude. So you take not accomplishing your transfer transfer window goals with unsurmountable odds of other teams in the league where you're like, if it's this isn't our window, when is it? And how yeah. long am I going to stick around? And we don't know what's going on with Erickson as far as how that dressing room is. Is he at all unsettled? Is him getting picked in the team or being left out of the team on yeah. certain days? Is that frustrating people? Yeah. Um, you know, but also let's, 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 Let's pump the brakes. I think they're going to be fine. They're going to be in the Champions League picture towards the end of the season. We still have them as third place. Right. I would back that. Yeah. Or I think we both picked them to go in third place. I think I picked Arsenal just because, but yeah. All right, that's pretty on Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not disputing that. Unless it's painfully obvious, I'm not going to pick Spurs to finish yeah. ahead of Arsenal. Yeah. So. Oh, man, I think we covered all the games, right? Um, I'm scrolling through my notes here, and I got some questions for you, if you don't have a rant prepared. Um, I know how well... I don't have a rant, but okay. I do have a good analogy for you that okay. I think you'll like, because it involves one of your personal heroes. So, after the West Ham lost was the first time, I do troll the Reddit a little more than I'd like, but it was the first time the media started spinning the wheel, and I saw you know some, some select Twitter posts about Ole out. It's the first time I've seen it in sort of voice and here's my little analogy for is there you. any tongue-in-cheek there what's up is there any tongue-in-cheek there at this point or you think they're legit cries for him to be out oh i think bbc will tr- like just scour the internet for all absurd points of view and slap them in there and be like we are representing the voice of the people right so the vocal i minority. hope that answers your question it's a vocal minority yeah so here's one for you it's a nice little analogy it took I- me two hours to come up with Blaming Ollie for United's current status is like giving Stephen A. Smith a new co-host and being like, wow, that new guy really made Stephen A. Smith loud and erratic. <laughs> the new guy might not be helping Stephen A., but uh, he's been doing this for a while. First and of that all, is my... I think it's time you put some respect on Stephen A.'s name. I don't think he's in... He's in a category by himself. Wow, Max Kellerman really made Stephen A. unhinged. Uh, no. There's this one guy on the Stephen A. Smith show named Carlton that calls in every day to bitch about Max Kellerman to Stephen A. Smith. And finally today, he's like, Carlton, you call on the Stephen A. Smith show. Why we gotta talk about Max? <laughs> <laughs> it's my show, baby. Uh, oh, no, man. I think that's... Did, did you get the analogy? <laughs> I did. I did. That I think that the with, uh, with United, there were... There was much, much made out about... Is Mourinho the problem? Is Pogba the problem? We we know Woodward's not great, but mm-hmm. like, where do we need a defender? We need mm-hmm. that. We need more mm-hmm. than a lot of the questions were answered mm-hmm. or at least addressed. Mm-hmm. Much of the same still persists. I think that you do have to look at the quality on the United squad, uh, but I, I mean, no technical director. I think in 2019 is it's just it's about as arrogant as you can be. As a yeah. as an owner, I don't after know what each loss, there's a little there's a little post out to the fans. 
Technical director search. Better than ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, ooh. Are we close? Is, does Trump one run the United Twitter? Is yeah. that We're winning big in the technical director search. No, great great um, talk with China. Got a new technical director on the yeah. way. Uh, I'm going to let you open up questions. Uh, yeah. I will be taking questions in a minute. But I think I'm very clearly, just to be clear, Ollie out is not the answer. Of course. I think we are finally admitting we are like bottomed out rebuild and we're going to do that rebuild. And Ollie is probably not the manager, the guy when we're back in a solid place to take us to, you know, where we want to be winning titles, winning champions leagues, but he's the guy for now. And he's the guy who I think has a good enough vision to take us through transfer windows. And the only down, the only positive I can see from Ollie being sacked is that you are really opening up, the flood of attacks towards Woodward, which I think is deserved because right. that dude is a goddamn leech. It's, it's, it's basically Ollie getting sacked. Mm-hmm. There's no, first of all, that's not going to solve your problem. And so where does the IR go? There's Uni- nowhere else to go. United just had their financial earnings report and business is booming. Yeah. These, these are all some of my questions. Okay. So I'm going to go, okay. I'll, I'll go, go right go, off of that. Go. We, we just talked about it. Woodward is a huge issue, right? Yes. I think that is... He's a banker. Abundantly clear at this point. He's a banker. United just had their best ever year financially. Correct. I think it was 627 pounds. Yeah. Above City, above Liverpool, above everyone. Yes. Yes. What is Woodward's incentive to change? And how long can United stay that profitable? Because as a banker, mm-hmm. financially driven, mm-hmm. I would say his incentive to change is relatively low if all he's focused on is the bottom line and the bottom line is delivering. What what will it take to actually start hitting that bottom line? Because that I, brand is so damn strong. I don't remember... I should know this. Since Fergie's left, I don't think we've ever been two consecutive years out of Champions League. I think we've bounced back and then dropped out. Bounced back, dropped out. My point being, if this season is 7th, 8th place and we don't win the Europa League, that's now two straight seasons out of the Champions League, you drop further and further from relevancy in football, and that will affect your bottom line. Yes, it'll affect your bottom You're line. You're not bringing in the Pogbas who are going to skyrocket your, your jersey sales. You know. Let me let me counter that with, with this. Arsenal's latest transfer window. Mm-hmm. They were in the Champions League for 20-some-odd years. They go out two straight years. They hire... Raul, mm-hmm. and they ask him what he's going to do as the technical director without being in the Champions League. He says, when Arsenal knocks, it's a different knock. And then he goes out and has record signing, most spending in the Premier League. You look at the talent he brought in, I think that there's a lot of really positive things in that. I think that the brand of United playing for that badge, if you go after the right people, is going to hold a lot of weight. A lot of weight. I don't think that there are many clubs mm-hmm. who have the prestige that United have. And, and I think you can continue to bring in those people despite some poor performances. I don't know how many times you can go back to that well and say, you're all we need mm-hmm. to go to Champions League. You can be a mm-hmm. hero. How many people do you bring in and not do that yeah. is the question. I, I talked about why I'm not Ollie out, and I think your question leads me to a reason. The main reason why I'm Ollie in I think his transfer philosophy is spot on and I think it's being rewarded by James James Juan Bissaka Maguire being the three best players of our season so far and if you can continue that in January and oh god it's so sad to say that I would be over the moon if we made Champions League this season 
if we do and you can recruit a Sancho, suddenly I'm starting to see exactly yeah. what we're going for. Right. The style of play is concerning in the moment, but I think as far as like what kind of club we want to be, that to me is clear. Right. On the field, maybe not so, but recruitment, like I, I think Ali is steering us in the right direction. Right. It's almost as if they've given a bunch of crayons and said, go do the Sistine Chapel. Right. And so maybe get a couple more people in. I say Sancho, a Sancho changes my excitement for United or like trepidation against playing United tenfold. Yeah. Right. And that's a, it's an English player. That's somebody who's going to get back. That's someone who's performing already for the three lines on a crazy level for Mm -hmm. Dortmund. And that type of player is the type of player that I think is more traditionally associated with United. Mm -hmm. The type of like really top tier, especially English talent. Mm Mm-hmm. That you can just plug right in. And for the record, I don't even think that's a given if we do make the Champions League. I agree. I'm just saying that is the first name on my list if we are a desirable club. Which right now, we're not. I think it's fair. I think um, you know, there's there's three other things I want to touch on United. Let's do it. One is the away, rec- away record. Yep. A lot has been made about <coughs> Arsenal's away record. Sure. United's last win away from home, PSG. Yep. Correct. What's, that was the turning point. Right. What is what is to be what do you need to do to fix that? Because that is I think one of been that's been one of Arsenal's biggest Achilles heel towards I mean let's 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 be real. You take even five more points in each of the last two seasons, Arsenal's in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Maybe not five points two years ago, but five mm-hmm. points a year ago, they're in the Champions League. I do think that that's the margin. The away record is going to be the margin for I think both Arsenal and United. I, is it fixable? And what is the issue? Or, or is it- I'm going to answer it by saying this. I don't think the away record is the story. I think our overall record is the story. I don't think our home record is squeaky clean by any means. Sure. You do make a good point about away. The, an- the short answer is I don't know. Mm-hmm. But let me draw a bigger story, which I've, I, I was stumped by after the West Ham game, which, by the way, I was not surprised to lose. You look at that team, you look at West Ham's team, you're like, sure. That's the state of affairs. Right. What I don't get is the difference in motivation – and level of play from week to week, it it baffles me. It, it really does, and You're I don't know. The choir. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, um, it's tough to wrap your head around. It's frustrating. You, you have really encouraging moments, and you would hope that like, sure, quality is you know you have good days and you have bad days, and the quality in the United team, I would expect to deliver on some days. I would expect people to deliver on not deliver on other days. What I'm hoping for and what, you know, we saw, I was over the moon with that Chelsea win, which now seems like a, you know, a false dawn. Right. But you see some weeks, the togetherness, the high press, the effort, and then other weeks they just don't seem up for it. And Ollie backs what he does in training, and I am tempted to believe him. I could not tell you why it doesn't show up. And I, I would start to guess that it doesn't have the consistent level of leadership in the locker room who can carry it beyond a manager, but I don't know. Yeah. And it, and it destroys me. Right. It's 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 the things that you'd expect every team to be able to control mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. That they're not controlling. And it's it's effort, it's work rate, which are synonyms. Yeah. I'm just stumbling my I mean, way through that. Look tape, at but. look at look at last week. We were not by any means good um, going forward against Leicester. But we had the grit that gave us that win. And you would think, okay, we're not that good, but we have grit. That was my takeaway from Luster. Right. And now, I don't know what my takeaway is. Yeah. We're just bad. Yeah. I know pundits are meant to be reactionary. They're meant to, to, right. to have headlines. Roy Keane said the team was unrecognizable from the United he knew and loved. 
Mourinho said when asked, are there any positives you can take away no from this positives. game? No, I see no positives. Mm-hmm. He did mention that he saw some improvements into the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was still saying we. I think that he does feel like a little bit vindicated by what is happening now. And I think it's fair for him to feel that way. Is it that bleak? Is it something that is unrecognizable? Or is this a Patrick-esque overreaction to one week of football? No. Um, I think we we are who they said we are. <laughs> like, we have stalwarts in the team who are supposed to be, you know, leading by example. And I actually think they're the worst players on the team. Mata, Matic, um, Ashley Young. And I actually think Ashley Young doesn't deserve to be, you know, grouped with Matic and Mata. Those guys are supposed to be leading um, with experience, and Mata was the worst player on the field, and he has been for a little while. So when you don't have that, and you have players who are finally supposed to come good, like this is Rashford's proving season, this is Martial's proving season, the injuries don't help, but it's so on and off from week to week. And in that sense... I am honestly not surprised. And yeah, it is it is unrecognizable, but again, I do want to go back to the philosophy and I draw that bit of hope from our recruitment style and our transfers coming in being the best players we have on the team right now. Yeah. Um, last thing on this, Rashford's injury. Do we know the status? Timeout. Haven't reported the groin injury. That makes me think it's not good. And this was my other thing that we talked about overall record and, and uh, grit from week in to week out. The other thing that boggles my mind Ollie's new training regimen was supposed to fix this situation with United where players get injured. And not only do they get injured, it's, oh, Martial uh, stubbed his toe. You know, he's going to miss the rest of this game. He's out five weeks. Right. And it happens season in, season out. And it, it kills all momentum. And I, that's another yeah. thing I just cannot explain. Yeah. Because it seems to happen. I hope I'm not just within, you know, blinders focusing no. on my own team. But it, it feels like this happens to United all the time. I think that, I think it's it's it, it it does happen to every team. I mean, I think I can I can relate to it on a certain degree. Look at City and their defense right now; they'd be complaining about it. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that this 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 plagues. I think what it what what is making it a little bit more sensitive here is the same thing that makes it more sensitive for Tottenham when Kane or Son were out mm-hmm. last year. Is mm-hmm. they don't have the suitable replacements. Mm-hmm. When you look at your team sheet. You're like, okay, I like that starting lineup. And you're just like, I pray to God that they do well. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't see how we have much of an impact off the bench. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting how this plays out. We're about to transition into them. But when you when you look at what United are, it's like, what is their character? You're home to Arsenal. You're going you're gonna to have a chance to score goals. That game is going to be is a the clown men- show. What is the mentality? Holy Do they get hell. after it? Do they sit in without Rashford? Like I'm, I'm interested to see the United that shows up because, yeah, United's beatable, but there's not a week Arsenal isn't. Hey, so, you're talking about Arsenal as the next game. Like we don't have Rochdale at home, and I'm sweating bullets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, oh, fair, fair play, fair play. Yeah, well, I do have a Mr. Brightside before we transition transition into okay. uh, a very short Arsenal segment. Here's my Mr. Brightside. It ties to United. I'm going to bed. My stomach is sick. And I need you to tell me that United's rebuild is on the right track. Absolutely. Your oldest player on your back line, Luke Shaw, I believe, 25-26? Our ideal back line, yeah. Right. Correct. Right. You have not a single player on that back line, which I think is the core and the structure of your rebuild, who has stood next to the man they're standing next to before this season. 
You're going to have bumps in the road, but that is a stalwart back line. I do think McGuire struggles with pace, but I think with the rest of the components around him, they're going to be okay. And let's not forget, if you get into some Champions League football, you'll be able to bolster that. You'll be able to get someone better than Lindelof and McGuire. They are both stop gaps for five years from now when you're going to compete for the title and for the Champions League. You have James, who I think is a winger of the future, full stop. I think Rashford's, Rashford's floor is a rotational attacker. His floor is a rotational attacker. His ceiling, rotational attacker. That's fine. But you have an incredible We're going to move on from that one. <laughs> we have an incredible opportunity in that midfield to really focus your transfer dollars. I think you mentioned Sancho. Yeah, that would be fantastic. But I think that you need to really go after some of the elite midfielders. I think some veteran midfielders. I mean, I, I'm trying to. I'm struggling on, on who to think of. But um, maybe three or four years ago, going after a Rakitic or a Mirlim Panjic or uh, Ryan Nangolin. Like those types of players, those types of box-to-box, that grit. Somebody's going to play like Roy Keane. Anyone in midfield. I think you need one player in that midfield in the next two to three years who is a bona fide superstar. And guess what? The Premier League isn't good enough to keep you out of the Champions League that long. You're going to get back into that. You're going to have the ability to do it. And what's going to come calling is a technical director. It fixed Arsenal. It fixed Arsenal. The technical director position. You actually got some good talent in. Announcing the new technical director, Woody Edward. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. This guy looks familiar. How'd I do? I felt pretty passionate about that. I feel a lot better. You, you actually, I think you believe some of those takes, and it's again an emotional hedge. Okay, <laughs> I feel better. I had a Mr. Brightside for you. I'm gonna ask you to make it quick. Okay. Hold on a second. I never. In five years, we will not consider a Premier League without VAR. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be one of those things where you think about defenders passing back to the keeper and they're picking it up. You're like, what was that? This was the Premier League before VAR. Um, We talked about it earlier. I think the pros still outweigh the cons, which is why I think the first season in VAR, I can admit, it's better here than it is without. However, it's got to start that tweaking process, and I think this is the perfect season to figure out exactly what needs to get fixed, and if they don't tweak it, well, they're not going to tweak it mid-season. But, you know, if they take a long, hard look in the off-season, I can already see it being very well implemented next season. Talk about five years from now. It's going to be a well-oiled machine. I think the model example of a sport that uses technology like without a flaw is tennis. Right. And I think we'll be just like that. Did that hurt you on the inside? No, I'm, I'm softening my take. Okay. I hate it. Yeah. But I, do, I genuinely believe oh, the pros outweigh the cons. Yeah. That's where I'm at. And yeah. I think I've just accepted the fact that we're going to have some, some bumps in the road. It has not... It also hasn't boned Arsenal. It hasn't boned United yet. (laughs) And here we are. All right. Speaking of Arsenal, any questions? I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, if you guys... um, This is the only note I wrote down. The Arsenal-Aston Villa game, if someone described the game to you and told you the final score, you actually predicted it in your, like, weird crock, like, I'm not saying this, but do this to go against (laughs) me. Someone describes that game to you, you're like... Yes, to all of that. Yeah. That is exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I, look, there's, I actually wrote this down, and James, you remember my last manifesto? This is pretty short. I'm just going to get right through it. I took some time. Folks, I'm looking at a five-paragraph essay. (laughs) This is what Arsenal do. 
they give you hope. They give you hope. And I'm not buying it at all. Are you taking hope away from that game? I think that the, there's there's some positives from that game. There posi- there's there's there was some grit and some resiliency Ooh. in that second half, and I'm I'm going to temper that. I'm taking but 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 if you, if you were just kind of like surround yourself with Arsenal Chelsea right now. Chelsea deserved more applause after their game to Liverpool than Arsenal did against Aston Villa. I think that's ridiculous. Okay. You lost. Okay. I don't think losers deserve applause. Okay. I don't think Arsenal deserved much applause. That's just how you feel. I think that there were some really positive things. Um, the spirit was there in the end. I th- what what kind of concerned me is that it's coming from a boy in Matteo Ganduzzi. That that's yeah. the boy that's leading the charge. Rebound and, game. Sure. Yeah, but like I expect that out of Ganduzzi. I'm not going to be upset when Ganduzzi doesn't show up. I'm going to be upset when Socrates plays the ball into, you know, nobody. I'm going to be upset when Jaka turns the ball over in midfield sure. and when the fullbacks are all off the field. I'm going to be upset with that. I'm not going to be upset at Menteo Ganduzzi losing the ball in midfield when he's trying to make something happen when no one else is making a run. That kid's got a future. I hope his future is at Arsenal, and I am I am here for the bumps in the road. Okay. And there's a lot of young players at Arsenal that I am thrilled about there. Um, I, I do think it was a really gritty performance in the second half. Three goals with ten men. Yeah. However, however... I'm, I am having to go to an extent. You are. But... It was a newly promoted team. And that comeback doesn't happen without, I actually wrote down his name because I couldn't remember his dumbass, without Dean Smith. Because what Dean Smith did, what Villa was doing so well after Maitland Niles got sent off, mind you, ridiculous challenge to make on a yellow. That's yeah. just unbelievable. And I don't know why he thought milking an injury for 20 minutes. He wasn't I love in, that. He wasn't in the injury I love report. that. Oh, wait, he had someone help him off the field, right? Yeah. That was all time. I will take that back if he's out for an extended period of time. No, that was all time. Yeah. And he got up like, ah. Yeah. Swung his leg in, studs up. It's clear yellow all day. Oh, uh, let me take you back to 2008 United season. Nani goes for a headbutt, hits the other player, goes down himself. All time. Yeah, I mean, there's there's legends and there's legends. Mm-hmm. And then there's Nani. <laughs> but um, I actually did write this down because I need to have it. He took off Trezeguet up 2-1. And Trezeguet was the link between Wesley and the rest of that Villa team. Oh, yeah, you know Kalazinash wasn't tracking him. No, sure wasn't. Um, and but, but but what happened there was all the times Arsenal was throwing numbers forward, Villa were breaking. Villa were breaking, Villa were breaking. Mm-hmm. That's how they got their second goal. That's how they were creating chances. As soon as they took him off, took him off for El Mohamedy, a guy who... Had, right. That link was gone, yep. and they just started absorbing pressure. Yep. And at the end of the day, sure, Arsenal earned their points. Ginduzi got That's in there. That's not how you play Arsenal. No, no, it's not. you, And especially not a 10-manned Arsenal. Especially not somebody with a lead. And... You know, and they were they were scrappy goals. Arsenal took their chances. It's it's the type of performance you want out of a ten man side. However, it doesn't happen against a better team. It doesn't happen against mm-hmm. a better manager, and it doesn't happen if somebody's actually playing the right way on the other side of the ball. I mean, I think that the biggest positive you can take away from this game are Manteo Gaduzzi, his performance, his leadership, and then Aubameyang as well. Not just his performance on the field. You want to talk about a club man and a guy that's lifting his teammates up. Gave the the at the time the tying penalty to Pepe mm-hmm. to get his first goal for the team. Hopefully, get him a little bit of confidence mm-hmm. building in. He did the same thing with Lacazette a couple years ago mm-hmm. when he first came to the team. He gave Lacazette a pen because Lacazette was on a ten game goal drought. I mean, I, the guy's just incredible. He really is. And then obviously the 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 goal to win the game. It's it's just a clutch. It's a clutch goal. Right. I mean, it was a fourteen person wall between Arsenal and Villa goal. in the end. But it was a good goal. It was a good goal. Not in a the goal end. of the week. No. It, and no. to be clear, not a goal of the month. No. Because we've been down that road before. No, 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 no. But, I mean, 
I'll tell you what I'm excited about. Okay. And it was really – we also saw a lot of that today or w- Tuesday in the uh, – yes, Yesterday. 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 Uh, we are recording this at 5 a.m. on Wednesday. Um, we saw that with a lot of those young players. There's a lot of young players to be excited about on Arsenal. There's a lot of – like you put that 18 to 22-year-old group of players on Arsenal against any other team – I would say in the world. I don't know the world, but certainly Premier League. But I'd go up against the world with that group of players. I think there's a lot to be excited about Arsenal's future. Talked about what I feel about Freddie Eumberg taking over this team in a couple of years. Yeah, that is that is your claim to fame take. And I, I really do believe in the future of this club. What I would like to see is more performances where they have that grit. I don't expect it every week for them to like have that performance of like quality. I want the identity to go back. I want that attacking football Players like Gabriel Martinelli and, and Saka, yeah, they're full of flaws, but they're turning and they're going after the goal. They're, sure. make, they're trying to make shit sure. happen. It's not something you see in the first team at Arsenal. Mm-hmm. I'm excited that we have choice. I'm not going to buy it until we do it against a good side. And I'm not going to – let's be real. We we lost that game against Villa. Yeah. They gave that shit good back to us. Good side coming right up. All eyes on Monday. Yeah, I mean, it's a big game against – yeah, it's, it's actually – it really is. With our away record, how do we play against a team who I think the points are there for the taking, but they're not going to be easy because of United's defense and De Gea. Sure. You're going to have to go get it. Sure. And then I think team selection is going to be a big thing as well for Emery. Yeah. So, I'm – again, I just feel like I'm, I oscillate between depressed and cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I mean, life of a football fan. You're not alone. Right. Buddy. And I'm going to transition – quickly into my freak of the week oh you beat me to it all right not not we're, we're in the fun and games part folks strap in i'm going um back to back weeks same freak socrates i'm giving it to socrates <laughs> pop his ball i don't know if you caught this but in the second half or maybe it was even the first half it was the first half. in the in the game against villa he gets tied up on the ground with wesley grabs his knee and smashes his head into Wesley's knee and then falls on the ground holding his face for a full minute hoping to get a red card to level the field at 10-10. On one hand... It's textbook. On one hand, you know, I appreciate the effort to try and level the playing field. On the other, like, does someone want to let him know we have VAR? <laughs> like, this, this shit's just... Uh, it was... Uh, it was atrocious. It was atrocious. It's embarrassing. And, you know, That's playing for the badge. Yeah, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for a little chambo holding back in the oh, team center back for the badge. No, Socrates till I die. Yeah. All right. Well, my freak of the week. It goes a little bit outside of the Premier League rules of the road, but it was too good to miss out. Uh, the FIFA awards were this week, and there is an award called the FIFA Fair Play Award. They awarded it to Marcelo Bielsa of Leeds United who you might know is famously... Okay, so he got it for allowing Aston Villa to score a goal against them because the one that Leeds scored was unfair. So even playing field. Right. Is this the one where where John Terry was being, being yeah, an John, asshole? Oh, John Terry being a cunt? Yeah. Yeah, every week, but that week specifically. He okay. Was doing that. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, that, was, that was James Burton on the on the See You Next Tuesday, folks. No, it was not. No, it's just <laughs> wind in the bushes. I said he took a bunt and he laid down a bunt. <laughs> Anyway, irrelevant, uh, Bielsa, winner of the FIFA Fair Play Award, is the same Marcelo Bielsa who, who admitted to spying on his opponents before a game. The FIFA Fair Play Award. In the same year. In the same year. Right. And then he got asked about it in a press conference, and he goes, oh, that game against Aston Villa? I spy against every opponent. Yeah. It's what we do in Spain. Oh, it's what we do. <laughs> that that's like Italy saying, that's not racism, that's gamesmanship. <laughs> 
And uh, he is the proud recipient of that award. So I'm going to give FIFA the award for best judgment by Prem de la Prem. It's, FIFA it's is on the brand re- for FIFA. FIFA's the recipient of the best judgment award. First annual awarded by Prem de la Prem. We'll see if they accept our calls. I can call FIFA. You want to do spoiler alert? Yeah. They won't. Okay. Anyway. No one does. They will after we enhance our credentials a little bit. We are back with another edition of Trivia, folks. James has proved in himself more than competent, but not perfect, which I think is a great way to describe this podcast and its host. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 7 out of 10. We love talking about VAR. We love talking about officials. It's all part of the fun. I want to see how much you know about officials. There are seven active referees. No, don't do this to me. Who have refereed over 200 matches in the Premier League. Who are they? Mike Dean. By the way, this is minefield style, which means... It's over if I get one wrong. If you get one wrong. Because I do. when I went through the list, I was like, yeah, those are the seven. You had it in front of you. Well, no, because... This was the this was the trivia that I was hunting down. I finally found the link, but they killed the link. So I just went through every active referee and figured out how many games they repped. Good for you. Yeah. Mike Dean. Howard Webb. Howard Webb's retired. Oh, active. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Oh, but Howard active. Webb is like way, way up there. Active, sorry. Active. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Mike Dean was correct. Howard Webb is your, your one mine. Okay, so it's not going to be Clattenburg. No. I'm just buying time. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, every single one of these names, you'll be like, oh. I'm bad about the refs. I don't. I don't care. Uh, I care a lot about VAR. I figured you know this. Who's the fat one? There's a few. Actually, no. How many of them are fat? Let's talk about that. I just wrote down their names. I don't have headshots here. Oh man. I am literally blanking on on their names. You want me to get you going with one? Yeah, get me going. Martin Atkinson. Yeah, that's right, Martin Atkinson. And then there's like the younger guy. Wow, this is... I'm not good with officials! James, this... I'm sorry. I said this was trivia. This does not ruin your credentials. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean... You could throw in the towel and I'll I'm going to feel like out. a dumbo. Did I say Mike Dean? You did. <laughs> yeah, 100... Actually, he's up to 102 red cards now. He's gotten two since the Ashley Young incident. Martin Atkinson. Yep. Howard Webb retired, so I'm not going to say him. Clattenburg retired, so I'm not going to say him. Um... Solar winds. I don't know. Anthony Taylor. Yep. Michael Oliver. That Michael Oliver. You should have gotten Michael, Michael Oliver. Oliver. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Friend. Kevin, not my the f- friend. The Freak of the Week. Freak of the Week. Kevin Friend, I think, is one of those who are just, just above 200. Andre Mariner. Probably one you would Still have liked active. to have. Still active? Yep. Yep. And then Jonathan Moss. Yep. Jonathan Moss, the fatty. Yes. And he is the one that is just over 200 as well. You would think he would be in better shape for recording 200 games you'd think but he's not you know i have limited space in my brain most of it goes to united facts and knowing how to play fifa on a legendary skill level right however i don't leave space in that noggin for referees and i think that should go to show that they should stop showboating and taking all the plaudits of the game well yeah the only the only referee you got was mike dean known tottenham fan known celebrator of goals oh i mean because he brings a next level of flair yeah, you ever seen that? All right, well that's one I want back. Image of him in the uh, in the stands from some like League Two side. Yeah, just yeah. giving the old wank or something. Yeah, he's like a, he's like a Macclesfield <laughs> fan or something. He's anyway, incredible. I love that. Okay, uh, 
actually didn't love it at all. It was a humbling moment, but was, I think it was a little bit outside of the box. Yeah, you went I to got, referees. I didn't prep for that. You know, I was, prepped for these. This was kind of like when I just go went nuts on my degenerate district. I was like, it was a heat check. It was a heat check on trivia. It was a heat check. Yeah. Well, here's your first inaugural trivia question. Fuck. That I think you can get if I talk you through it. I'm giving you a... Give me the question as is, and then I'll... I'm giving you a process of elimination combined with a multiple choice, so you should get this. Wow. Might as well give me the study guide. I'm talking. I'm sorry. Managers from... (laughs) Managers from five different countries have won the Premier League. Started in 1992-93. Wow, just five. That's actually kind of crazy. Well, think about it. Scotland. Right. Yep. Italy. Yep. Portugal. Mm-hmm. France. Mm-hmm. What was the fifth? And talk me through it. Argentina. Allegri. Allegri? No. Ancelotti. Ancelotti. Italy. Hey, hey, hey. Who's the dude? I said, talk me through it. The old guy that looks like he's wearing a barrister's wig that coached City to their first... Mancini? Italian. Oh, he's not Argentinian. Ranieri, Italian. Conti, Italian. Right. Okay, so obviously Ferguson. This is how I wanted it to start. Oh, I thought I got it. No. My confidence. Were, yeah, no, let's, let's shoot or check. Sh- shoot or shoot. Okay, I'm, I'm more of a mellow. You don't shoot game. while you're hot. You shoot to get hot, and I respect that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Scotland. Ferguson. Italy, we just went through. Portugal. Mourinho. And maybe another, I don't know. And then France. Wenger. And they had the lion's share of the titles there. Right. And we named all the Italian Oh, ones. You it's were gotta right. be the Leicester manager, but I'm forgetting his Ranieri name. Ranieri Italian. Oh, you were right old. about it being a city manager. And he's a current manager of a team in the Premier League. Oh, Pep. Spanish. Folks, this was an old... <laughs> <laughs> this was, uh... This pulled from an old site. I'm gonna go ahead and say that. So let's count Spanish in there as well. <laughs> That's not what I was going for. There's another one. Okay. Mm. Wow, this really is ruining your credentials. Old city manager is not going to go well for me. I'll okay. tell you that right now. All right, so his name is Manuel Pellegrini, and he manages Ooh, West Ham. Pellegrini. Is he from Wales, Belgium, Germany, or Chile? He's got to be from Chile. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that the dude I'm thinking of that looks like... Who's the first city wow, manager? That pep call out really took the air out of the room. Who's the city manager that wanted to... You're thinking of Mancini. Roberto Mancini is Italian. Do with the hair. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll agree to disagree on that one. Uh, what? <laughs> All right. Well, f- that was trivia, and cool. there were flaws abound. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was meant to be a one-way segment, but, you know, here we are. Let's get to goal of the week. Yeah. Neither of them were from Chelsea Liverpool, which I think were both contenders in Firmino and Conte's goal. My goal of the week which is also a dig at your boy, was not the Ozil chop, but that Kane chop, that Harry Kane chop Mm. against Leicester. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. You slice it off the ground, sail it right over Lil Schmeichel's head, and that, folks, is your goal of the week, the Harry Kane chop. That was an impressive goal, one that I hope would have been given as a a penalty in the end had he not scorned. Right, we Which, like to we like to think yes. Yeah, but it looked like the, the referee play. was ready to, to give that one. Actually. There should be and ones, but you shoot from like twenty five yards and you just got a blast halfway off. line. No goalkeeper. That's too easy for those guys. 
I would say 25 yards, goalkeeper, no wall. Do your best. Okay. We'll and you it. get half a point. Marcus, next time you talk to Emery, see if he can plug that in with the FA. Mm-hmm. Half a point. Ooh, that'd be great for betting. Um, I'm actually going to give mine to Conte. And I think that it was a little bit of a surprise factor in that because yeah. it was Conte slicing through the defense. Mm-hmm. Honestly, not that much more off balance than Kane. He kept his feet, but it looked like the ball was kind of caught underneath him and somehow just scooped it right into the corner. And then very Conte-like celebration. The most humble guy on the Is there the a more likable guy in, in the world of he, football? Talk about a guy who just does his job. And I feel like he makes mega million dollars and has not changed his lifestyle. His French teammates had to bring him the World Cup trophy to celebrate with it. He didn't want to take it from anybody. God. He's too likable. I wish he wasn't on Chelsea because he is... I, I Here love I am sending man. chat room messages to 10-year-olds I beat on FIFA. <laughs> hey, your mom still love you after that one? <laughs> All right, she loved me last night. <laughs> Just ruined some kid. Uh, and we're back. Is it degenerate district time? Because we are over an hour. Yeah, and that's a joke. I don't beat the 10-year-olds. They smash me. Uh, degenerate district... Back on track after last week. Got my over two and a half spurs Leicester game right. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll remember my crock of the week. I told you to bet against it, which if you did, you would have won. Right. Which was, my crock was Arsenal keeps a clean sheet because it's an absolute crock. Yeah, dummies. Feel free. Honestly, just bet against that every game of the year. Yeah, Vegas doesn't keep good enough tabs. No. That's that's that, that's the actual way to pay your rent. Um, I'm going to get in a little bit. This, this is my last bet on them. This is a... This is a reputation bet for Wolves. I'm taking Wolves at home against Watford. The battle for the bottom of the table for two teams we didn't expect to be there. It is, they're minus 110. So, almost a pick them for Wolves to win at home. I think it's too early to call it a must win for Wolves. But it is a big game for Wolves. They are, I've got to give you credit. You were the one person, I think, on all of our roundtable series that thought Wolves was going to have a tough go of things with being in the Europa League and stretching their priorities. It's certainly affecting them in the in the early parts of the season. I don't think they're in a relegation battle. I don't know if you would you'd say that, but I'm not worried about them being relegated for a second. But talk about their aspirations going into the season. Right, that's the concern. Right, yeah, and I mean I think you can have a recovery and then you can rebuild a little bit. But that European money, hopefully they would double down and put it to good use a second season in mm-hmm. a row. Didn't seem like they had the most active window, so I do think this is a big game if they want to retain any sort of that aspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm yeah, going to bet on them. Yeah. I'm going to bet on them. Um, my croc, I love this. I've actually already taken it. You yourself have bet on this. I've already taken this. Ooh, so when we check in next week, folks, this is going to have a double-edged sword to it. Plus 1,600. Holy shit. Score of Liverpool-Sheffield, 0-0. There's only... Outside... Uh, Outside of City and Liverpool, no team in the Premier League has conceded less than Sheffield United. Sheffield is sitting strongly in the middle of that table, and they are at home. What I think that they are going to do... Oh, Sheffield's at home? Sheffield's at home. Okay. I think that they are going to... That gonna, dials me back from, uh, what did you smoke before this, to uh, you're crazy. You're with me. I didn't smoke before this, which is relative rarity. Didn't know what podcast. I put in there. Um, it was potpourri. It was Mick Ultra. It's hitting nice. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think that they... this. I mean, it's, it's truly a crock, but... They're not going to break down. If they play the type of game that they need to play to get a point against Liverpool, they're not going to really get much on the break. So I think it's fair to say that if the, if the game goes Sheffield's way, 0-0 is a very, very possible scoreline. And this is my 
how good are you Sheffield bet? And that's why it's in the crock. It's not in the lock. It's a plus 1,600. Right. So with that rationale that you laid out, I'll say okay. I will... What will I do? Oh, you're going to bet Liverpool to score at Sheffield? How brave. No, no, no. I'm talking about what I'm going to do live on the next podcast if that bet hits. Oh. It, it'll be embarrassing. Plus 1,600. What do you want to do? I'll make it 16 times worse. <laughs> uh, I will go on a. F- no, nah, this is boring. I was no. gonna say I'll go on a little. I've been, actually, I've been sitting on something because I wanted to get it in, okay. and I'm just gonna say, call me Nostradamus. Don't go listen to it. But on our very, very first episode ever, I told you I thought Callum Chambers. You listened to our first episode ever? Well, no, I remember saying it. I thought Callum Chambers was in for a big season. The very next day. Full season loan to Fulham. Becomes their player of the year. Arsenal have not conceded when he's been on the field. A goal in the last game. Assist in this game. The man is on fire. That literally means nothing to me. I'm saying I'm Nostradamus, so take this bet. All right, well, think on what I'll do. I the... wanted to get the Chambers take in somewhere, and yeah. I was yeah, running out of time. fit it in. Yeah, we're, we're running out of time. <laughs> but that's a bold 1,600 bet. If you hit that, you are moving on up to the penthouse, folks. And let's wrap it up with this. You know, we talk about the game that we see on the TV, and sometimes when the old folks walk into the room, they see FIFA 20, and they're like, oh, what game is this? And you're like, it's a game. Can't you see the controller in my hand? And they're like, I don't know what a controller is. And then you're like, why don't you go make me something? And then they're like, you really changed since you went to college. Anyway, we're going to do a FIFA 20 review. And we're going to talk about things we like and we don't like, and also things we want to see in career mode. Yeah. So, I got the early access as part of the perks of being this tremendous podcast. Oh, yeah, that. Um, but, also, I'm not going to tell tell James this again, but there's ways to get it earlier and cheaper. Um, I also... Oh, no. I'm not gonna here's the thing. I'm not going to bring it up this scene. It looks like the long shots are going to be harder, which makes my chances of beating you even harder. Because okay. uh, that's pretty much my entire game. That is how you smoked me in the one or two times you beat me in 19. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's 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 pretty much the only thing I'm good at. Kevin, I'm not, Kevin De Bruyne with a yard? Yeah. Consider it done. Oh, yeah. Even granted, Jaka in a little bit. Jaka, boom. Only person I, I mean, only person I, I trade him on principle, but I really do like playing with him in the game. Mm. In any case, gotta wait for the updated rosters, get my career mode going. That was a tease. Looking forward to capitalizing on Socrates' ridiculous 86 rating. Mm-hmm. 86 rating, folks. That's insane. And I'm going to trade him for... Can you... Uh, here's some homework. 50 million Put together pounds, a list of who Socrates is ranked above as a center back in FIFA. And I think we'll have some fun with that. Ranked above. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll do a top... And we'll have a good laugh on that. I'll have a top five yeah, Socrates is better than... World-class defender. Uh, he's also better than Danny Caballos, who is rated as 85. Uh, but this one, to trigger you, I think Daniel James, 69? That's a pretty good number. It's a great number. Pretty Horrible good rating. number. I wonder what his potential is. But when the roster's update, he'll probably be low 70s, mid 70s. Because mm-hmm. he's put on a show early. Once Mason Greenwood gets over his tonsillitis, he'll be banging for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It looks like a good game. I'm really excited to dive deep. Well, let's talk about yeah. In many years. Because I think that this, this year is the year I'm really excited about Arsenal's youth. So I'd like to actually get past like one or two seasons for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, have a 28-year-old. Reese Nelson and see how good he might be, you know? Yeah, I, I personally would love the uh, career goals to be a little more robust and realistic. I, uh, I'm i speaking from 
relative reeks, relative 19 experience, and we'll see how it carries over to 20. Uh, I recently took Wolves to a third place finish. Yes, I managed Wolves. Right. And uh, I got knocked out of the FA Cup. Shock horror. Round of 32. And the board didn't let it go. They were like, yeah, I guess we'll keep you on, but you kind of pissed us off with that FA Cup result, finishing them third place. Not nearly as bad as when um, you know, you're know, you queuing up your, your Champions League semifinal needing two goals away at Real Madrid, and your 45 youth player says, hey, boss, mind if I get a run out today? <laughs> boss, I'm playing really well. Uh, uh, buddy, I don't know who you are. You got a little hot, like silhouette face. You're not getting in the team. But I hope they take some lessons from Madden, because what Madden does so well they have player goals and coach goals. So, like, if you have a specific player, like Daniel James, you're so fond of, you can get certain XP if, let's say, he scores mm-hmm. 10 goals in a season. And so, if you're just like, fuck it, he's going to be my guy. I'm mm-hmm. going to make him good. You have that avenue. Yeah. I'm doing that with some, certain yeah. players I like in Madden. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see that in FIFA. I'm not holding my breath because they put all that money into Ultimate Team, which I also do yeah. love. Here's another fun one. Less generic names when you recruit youth players. I put a scout out in Sweden. And they were like, boss, this one's good. Henrik Anderson. Anders Hendrickson. (laughs) It's just like, do they have a generator or do they have some intern be like... Have you heard about the regens? No. So what happens when, like, somebody retires, which is hard to figure out, but let's say, like, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo retires. Yes. The very next year... They reincarnate him. There will be, like, a free agent or, like, somebody introduced to some, like, low-level Portuguese team with... Some weird ass name by the name but of Joe crazy, crazy potential. No, they they never exist at the same time. It's like when Ronaldo retires, that boy is born. Okay, and, and he so, goes straight to free agency. Yeah, and so like if you're like diligent enough, you can try to find those types of folks. Is that like an Easter egg? It's I've only known about it on the uh, the FIFA Careers subreddit. I've never actually found one myself. Ooh, I, I also rarely make it past like a full two seasons, so none of the players I want. Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a slave to realism. Yeah. Once a team changes too much, I'm, I'm straight back to sending new careers. Or when, like, Liverpool finishes 15th in the table. You ever have that happen? Oh, yeah, you just get pissed off of th- about things that are so out of your control. Right. Oh, oh City finished 12th? I'm over this. Right, yeah. Like, oh, I can compete for the title? This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> get pissed off when I lose. Hate the hate the aspect of, of taking Wolves to no, third place. That's real, because I started a new... And there's no solution to that. Well, there, you you should just have there should be some AI that just tilts the sliders so that like the percentage of city winning isn't just like a fifty fifty sim. It's like give them an eighty against like Villa or something mm-hmm. like that, and then run the simulation after that, and then maybe they pluck one out. Uh, no, but no, but- I am a slave to realism because I am I started a new uh, franchise with the Redskins because I'm sitting on six and three, and then I watched our performance against the Bears. And I say I need to go up to All Madden. I need to change the sliders. This needs to be difficult. I need to suffer what they're suffering in real life. Yeah, they're on way pre- shittier. I put on preseason injuries and the whole damn yeah. thing. I'm taking them all out of the game. Yeah, Terry McLaurin, though. Oh, yeah, he's a beast. Feed him. Yeah. Well, we've done enough. On that, folks, oh, man. Uh, I thought this was better than last week, so let's look at the stats and see how far we've dropped because nothing makes sense on Prem de la Prem. But if you've made it here this far, you guys are true friends to the cast. Um, we owe you guys a little fantasy update and maybe some shout-outs. Maybe a little Ask Me Anything. We want to get you guys involved again. Mm. But uh, thank you for joining us on this wild ride. Match week six. Any last words, Patrick Crowley? I've said it enough. I could not agree more. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next week on Prem de la Prem. What's up, Prem heads? 
Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts at Prem De La Prem, a Premier League podcast, and smash that subscribe button for all other interviews, segments, and hot takes that you can handle. You can also find us on Instagram for some fire content at Prem De La Prem Podcast. No spaces, no punctuation, just like life.